I, I wanted to pick up, Chloe's like, are you going to talk about camp? And I'm like, no, I'm talking about Hebrews chapter 7. Um, but it's perfect. It's perfect for where we are. Because what, what has occurred here is this writer of the letter of Hebrews is doing everything he can to convince these Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah to not go back to not believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's all we did at camp. We just tried to convince the students, the Holy Spirit to convince the students that Jesus is real, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior, that he's the only thing that matters. And so chapter 7 is really about this. If you go back to what uh, we taught in the earlier weeks, he was proving to these people that had a, a history of tradition. They believed that angels were important because God revealed the message to Moses through angels. And so he's like saying, Jesus is greater than the angels. And he said, Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Abraham. All these men that they had established on this pedestal of, of faith He's saying, there's something new that's come. There's something new that's come. And in chapter 5, he told them that they were not spiritually mature enough to process the thoughts on uh, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, he was a priest and he was a king. And then last week in chapter 6, he's like, you guys are still on milk. You can't handle the meat. You need to get to the meat of the thing. Well, today he gets to the meat of the thing. It's Melchizedek. He talks about him, but bear with me. Yeah, it's kind of kind of deep, but he brings it around in the end. So we're in verse 1 of chapter 7. For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of God Most High. Melchizedek was born a king and a priest, as was Jesus. Jesus was born the same way. It just didn't come into realization for most people. This never occurred in Aaron, Aaron's priesthood. If you go back to Leviticus, Leviticus, there was a priesthood that was developed, and it all came from the Levites. But Aaron was considered the high priest. But he was never a king. He was only a priest. And it says, for this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, if you go to Psalm 76, 2, it says, God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. His tent is in Salem. Salem is referring to Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. So for this, Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, priest of God most high, he was the priest to the most high God. God over all nations. Not just Israel, but all nations. The Melchizedek was priest to God and to the nations. Aaron was just a priest to the nation of Israel. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the God Most High, met Abraham and blessed him as a return from defeating the kings, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. If you go back to Genesis chapter 14, you can see that story that this writer of Hebrews actually talks about when it says Melchizedek met Abraham. 
the story of Abraham where he defeats the kings and rescues Lot, then gives Melchizedek a tenth of his spoils. Did you get that? That Abraham won this battle and now he's turned and he's given a tenth of his spoils to Melchizedek. And what does Melchizedek do? He blessed him. He blessed Abraham. That makes Melchizedek greater than Abraham. Big deal? Maybe not? Yes, let's find out. It says, first his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, meaning king of peace. He was king over Jerusalem. Verse 3, without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So you look and you can go through the Bible and you can see the only references to this man, Melchizedek, is in Genesis and in Psalm, which we just read. There's not much to him. There's no genealogy. There's no lineage, which basically they're saying here, if there's no proof of birth, no proof of death, that he's eternal, that Melchizedek is forever. He has been and will be. It makes him a form of Jesus, but not Jesus. It makes him like Jesus, but not Jesus. Because we know that Jesus' priesthood is eternal as well. So therefore, Melchizedek resembles Christ. He's not the Christ, he resembles him. I ask the question, where's the high priest now? Where's the high priest now? It's right here. The high priest is right here. It's Jesus Christ, and he's with me. I keep telling the kids, he's right here. He's right here the whole time. In you, you now resemble Christ. Verse 4, it says, Now consider how great this man was. Even Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the plunder to him. The sons of Levi, who received the priestly office, have a command according to the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brothers and sisters, though they have also descended from Abraham. But one without this lineage collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. Without a doubt, the inferior is blessed by the superior. Remember, God promised Abraham and made a covenant with him that you're going to have many descendants. But now, here's Melchizedek that comes along There's no report of his lineage or genealogy. He's not in the line of Abraham, yet Abraham's giving to him. Aaron received tithes from the sons of Abraham, and Abraham gave those tithes to Melchizedek. And he's like, who's greater, Melchizedek or Abraham? And all he's trying to do is convince these people, you got Abraham up on this pedestal, but there's Melchizedek that's even greater. Verse 8, it says, in one case, men who will die receive a tenth, but in the other case, Scripture testifies that he lives. And in a sense, Levi himself, who receives a tenth, has paid a tenth through Abraham, for he was still within his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. This is kind of a stretch for the writer here, but he's literally saying that uh, Levi, who came after Abraham, really since Abraham gave a tithe, a tenth, to Melchizedek, then Levi did too, because he's from Abraham. 
kind of kind of a stretch there, but it makes sense. And he's still saying, who's greater, Melchizedek, Aaron, the Levites, Abraham? Who's the greatest of them all? Well, Melchizedek of that group. And then here's where it gets good. Verse 11 says, Now if perfection came through Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to appear, said to be according to the order of Melchizedek and not according to the order of Aaron? So what God did was he established this priesthood through the Levites. Aaron was the high priest. And they had to come... And they had to like live by the law that God gave them. The Ten Commandments and everything else, 613 laws in Leviticus. And they didn't do a very good job of it. And every year they had to come and make an animal sacrifice. And the blood was poured out. And their sins were atoned for. They were covered. They weren't forgiven. They were just covered. That was the whole Old Covenant. And the Levitical priesthood was established under this Mosaic law. There would have been no need for of any other priesthood if that process worked. If that whole system that the Lord had set up, the Levitical system had worked, there wouldn't be any need for another system. But here's the problem. It didn't work. And God knew it wasn't going to work. Because the reason it didn't work is because they had to do everything in their own strength. Like, here's a list of ten things I want you to do or not do. And they would try to do that in their own strength, and they failed. And so therefore, they would have to go and make this sacrifice and have everything covered. And guess what? They would repeat that process every year. That's what the whole Old Testament is, basically, and part of the New Testament, the Gospels. It wasn't until Jesus came along that a whole new way of doing things was ushered in. Jesus came along as one who had perfected the law, and he was from the order of Melchizedek. Verse 12, it says, For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be a change of law as well. With the establishment of the new priesthood came a new system for living. And that's the system that we're living in. It's a whole different... You don't live in the old covenant. Look, you weren't given the Ten Commandments. You weren't. As much as you were taught growing up to learn the Ten Commandments and to live by the Ten Commandments, as much as you were taught to read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is Jesus' red-letter words in the Bible, they weren't for you. They were for... The Israelites, they were for the Jews. You need to live by this. If, if you've heard it said by the Pharisees, go one mile, I say go two. If you've heard it said, give them the shirt off your back, I say give them your cloak too. It's like Jesus ramped those laws up with the red letters and we, like, we teach it. This is the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live by the Sermon on the Mount. Well, good luck with that. Because that's literally what they spent most of the Bible saying, you can't do. You can't do. And so now there's another priesthood, this whole Melchizedek, that comes along. And guess what he does? I didn't say this. The Bible says this. It made the law obsolete. 
It made the Ten Commandments obsolete. Not that the Ten Commandments aren't good because it shows us that we're sinners and that we need to be saved through the Messiah. That's what the law does. It's good. It's a tutor. It shows us these things. But guess what? It wasn't for me, and I'm not under the law. I'm not. I'm not. I'm free. I'm totally free. And the order of Melchizedek was established even before the Mosaic and the Levitical laws. And the and, and here's the great thing, is that whole priesthood of Melchizedek, it totally functions without the law. Now watch verse 13, it says, For the one these things are spoken about belong to a different tribe. No one from it has served at the altar. Now it is evident that our Lord came from Judah and Moses and said nothing about the tri- that tribe concerning priests. Jesus literally came from the lineage of Judah and King David. Aaron came from the tribe of Levi. High priests were only Levites. If they, and if they were, were not a priest, then they were actually ministers. Now, it's evident that our Lord came from Judah and Moses said nothing about the tribe concerning the priest. Watch verse 15. And this becomes clearer if another priest like Melchizedek appears, who did not become a priest based on a legal regulation, which is he had to be a Levite, about physical descent, but based on the power of an indestructible life. Like he lives forever. Melchizedek lives forever. For it has been testified, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That is a direct quote from Psalm 110, verse 4. Proving that David was not only a king, but was also a prophet. Another, another priest that's going to come along? Who is it? It's Jesus. Not an additional priest to the Levite, but a whole nother priest is coming around. The old priesthood was established by filling a legal command of a law, and now there's going to be a new way of doing it. You know, the law actually represents death. Why wouldn't it die? Why wouldn't it die if that's what it represents? The sacrifices in the Old Testament, they just died. They don't even do them anymore because there's not a temple there for them to do the sacrifices anymore. That all came to an end in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple. Now watch verse 18. It says, So the previous command is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable. Did you hear that? You've got got to hear this. You're not going to hear this in most churches today. And all I'm doing is reading the Bible. But it says, so the previous command, obey the Ten Commandments, obey the law, is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable. The law has been set aside for the believer. That's you in this room. You're not under the law. We still get the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. It's probably a good place for it, you know, because people need to see that they can't do it. But it's not a good place in the church. We're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will not rule over you because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. 
You're under grace. In other words, I told the students at camp that they can go out and do whatever they want. I did, because they're under grace. I told them a whole lot of other things, though, too. That there's a holy living God inside of them. And he'll tell you what to do. All you have to do is listen to him. And if you, if you listen to him, if you, obey, if you obey him, if you obey him and you listen to him, you're probably not going to cause issues or problems. I'm not saying you're going to be void of issues or problems. Because there's stuff that goes on all around you. But you're under grace. Verse 19, For the law perfected nothing, but a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Under, here, under the old system, it was only the high priest who, who could approach the presence of God. He would literally walk into the temple, walk around this veil that was there, and he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would make this sacrifice for everybody's sins. Only one person could walk into the presence of God once a year for this atonement, for this covering. Well, under the new, under the new covenant, the throne is always accessible to you. The Holy of Holies is right here in me. Are you kidding me? Like, the high priest is the only one that could go in the Holy of Holies, and now I am the temple. I, am, I have the Holy of Holies right here. I have access. I have, I have unlimited access to the Father. I have an ability to have a relationship with the God who all the Israelites couldn't have because only the high priest was the one that was able to go back there in the presence of God. Amen. Are you kidding me? If the church only knew what they have. If they only knew what they have, what they've been given. Through Jesus, our high priest, I can have intimacy with him. Knowing the truth makes it hard for me to celebrate what he has done for me just a couple of days out of the year. I, you hear me saying here all the time, it's like, oh, we're going to celebrate Easter and Christmas. Well, why aren't we selling that bright that every day? I have access to the Father every day. I don't need a holiday to remind me that Jesus lives in me because he's reminding me every day. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts me of my righteousness. He convicts me of my righteousness every day. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't judge me. He doesn't call me out. He just says, Rusty, you're holy. I made you holy. You're righteous. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. And when I hear that and I know that, it causes me to want to walk in the light of him. Verse 20, it says, None of this happened without an oath. For others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath made by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has also become the, the guarantee of a better covenant. It's a better covenant. Jesus is the guarantee of that. God made an oath that he will not break with Jesus. Aaron's priesthood was never guaranteed. Aaron's priesthood could end at any time, and it did at the cross. It's over. It's obsolete. That's not me saying that. That's the word saying that. The veil was torn literally torn in the holy of holies so that we could have access to God. That huge veil 
was torn from the top to the bottom the moment that Jesus died. Said, it's finished. You got me. Just come to me directly. You don't need anybody coming in between me and you. It's just me. <laughs> Says, now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Jesus will not be succeeded by any other priest. I promise you. Verse 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. Always means completely. It's a done deal. It's finished. Our salvation is not partially done. It is complete. You students are holy, righteous, and there's nothing you can do to make yourselves any better than you already are. He did it. Not you. He did it. If you go back to you trying to do it and you trying to quit sinning and all that, you're going back to the old covenant and you're going to fail. It's just going to cause death. It's going to bring death. But if you realize Jesus is the one who saves and he's responsible for keeping us saved, even, even if I were to like tomorrow say, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus anymore, He's responsible for keeping me saved because I believed. Because I believed. He's responsible. It's not our works that saves us. It's his gift. It's the gift of grace. (laughs) For me to lose my salvation, Jesus would have to cease to exist. He promises it. We're secure in Jesus and, he, and, and the thing is, he's always interceding for us. Verse 26, for this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Jesus differed than all the Levitical priests. Because what they had to do when they made their offerings of sacrifices for the people, they had to go in there first and offer the sacrifices for themselves. Jesus lived the law perfectly and he never had to go make a sacrifice for himself. He was the sacrifice. Jesus was perfect in behavior. Levite priests were sinners. There's a huge difference. Jesus is even separated from sinners by being in heaven. Verse 27, it says, oh, this is it, this is is it. You gotta get this one verse. If you leave here today, this is it. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do. First for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. Jesus died one time. He's not dying again. The moment that you believe in Jesus... The moment you believe in Jesus, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I was crucified. He died one time. He died for all my sins, past, present, and future. My sin issue is dealt with. This is what we told the campers. Your sin issue is dealt with. It's a done deal. Quit trying to stop sinning. Quit trying. Just focus on Jesus, the high priest. That's all you need. It's all you got. If you focus on Jesus, you don't have to worry about quit sinning because he's the one that's responsible for causing you to quit sinning. Free yourself up. Just free yourself up. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak. 
But the promise of the oath which came after the law appoints a son, capital S, who has been perfected forever. Levitical priests were because they died as well as they sinned. Jesus was resurrected after the law came and has perfected it forever. It is Jesus, our high priest, who makes us perfect. You are perfect. You hear it all the time. Well, there's nobody that's perfect. Oh, yes, they are. I am perfect. Not in my behavior. Not in my choices. But who I am in Christ? Absolutely perfect. Absolute, there's nothing I can do to make myself any better than I already am. Yeah, I could blow it publicly someday and not be sitting up here, but guess what? I'm still perfect. I'm still righteous. I'm still holy because he's taking care of my sinish. That's what we taught the students this week. We taught them that it's only Jesus. Jesus, and this writer's trying to tell these guys, don't go back, don't go back to what you used to believe, the old thing, because it just doesn't work. He's greater than Abraham, he's greater than Moses, he's greater than angels, he's greater than Melchizedek. He's greatest. He's the greatest. He's perfect and holy. So Lord, today... um, May you convince those that are sitting here that you're all they need, that you are holy, righteous, and just, and you've made us the same. You've made us the same. And so we give you much thanks for that. And I thank you for just an incredible week of loving us at camp, teaching us, showing us, giving us uh, beauty in your creation and all that we got to see and do, and uh, that you brought us home safely so that we can talk about the good news of Jesus. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.